are Locked On Cougars. This is your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Thanks for joining us on a Tuesday edition of the show. A lot to get to like usual. We're going to talk a little bit about Taysom Hill and his new contract extension with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, debate going on, on on the internet regarding BYU and draft picks, guys in the NFL, etc. We'll talk about that. We'll also need to kick off our week-long look back at the greatest moments in BYU sports history. Football, basketball, we'll hit on a number of topics in that regard on today's podcast, beginning that throughout this week. And of course, catch you up on everything else going on in BYU sports news like we usually do. Today's show brought to you by our good friends over at Telechris Plasma Resources. We'll tell you what they're offering our listeners here in just a little bit. And with that rundown out of the way, let's get to it. This is Locked On Cougars for April 28th, 2020. What's up, guys? I'm Jay Katz, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks again for taking the time to download this daily podcast, all focused on BYU. Want to encourage you guys to make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button if you're listening to us. So hit the follow button if you're listening to us on Spotify, for example. The subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. That way you never miss an episode of this show. We go five days a week, if not more than that. We had a special one last weekend, so we got you six last week as we talked with Matt Harms. But I want to encourage you guys, hit that follow or subscribe button so you never miss an episode of this show. And that way you're always up to date on everything going on in BYU sports news. Let's start off today's show talking about Taysom Hill. Of course, he recently received a contract extension over the weekend from the New Orleans Saints. It's going to pay him up to $21 million. He originally had signed a one-year $4.641 million tender as a first-round tender uh, from the New Orleans Saints this past offseason. So he'd guaranteed himself $4.6 million, but he now has a two-year deal, which essentially uh, moves him into a status where he is the incumbent behind Drew Brees as the number two quarterback. Obviously, there's been some talk about Jameis Winston coming in to join the New Orleans Saints, and obviously that would create a position battle there for the backup job with the New Orleans Saints. But regardless, Taysom got paid because amongst that $21 million deal over the two years, $16 million of it fully guaranteed. So as soon as that paperwork was signed, Taysom Hill had guaranteed himself a $16 million payday at minimum. He has up to $1 million in incentives. He can also add to this deal, and I think it's a fantastic, fantastic development for Taysom Hill. And First off, congratulations to this young man. He has made good on everything he hoped to do in a football uniform. And it looks like he will have his opportunity at some point, barring an injury, etc., to challenge for the starting quarterback job in New Orleans. Regardless of that is in uh, 2021 after this upcoming season, if Drew Brees decides to step aside then, or in two years when Drew Brees and his $50 million contract is up, Taysom's would also be up, but could Taysom have proven enough during those two years that he gets another big time extension and becomes the starting quarterback in New Orleans? The only time will tell in that regard, but this uh, 
spawned a conversation on on Twitter, on social media that I noticed yesterday about BYU and their lack of NFL draft picks. We talked about this a little bit yesterday when we recapped what happened in the draft with guys like Dion Gonwoloku, Levahifo, as well as um, uh, Tyson Williams signing their free agent deals following the draft. But it really blew up yesterday, and a lot of people debating, okay, well, does BYU, they don't have the quantity of NFL draft picks that, let's say, a team like the University of Utah has, but the quality, the quality is what really matters. Here's what I have to say in that regard, and I just kind of want to start off today's podcast, is that I think that BYU right now, yes, in terms of sheer number of NFL draft picks, they are severely lacking against the University of Utah, their arch rival. They're even falling behind the, behind the Aggies up at Utah State, but... There are better days ahead on the horizon for the BYU football program, I believe. I look at the roster currently, and other guys have mentioned this as well. I have saw this on the internet as well. I think Mitch Harper wrote a piece for KSLsports.com. I'd encourage you guys to go read this about the top 2021 draft prospects for the BYU football program. But I'm telling you, beginning in 2021 and moving forward over the next three, four years, I can see guys who are projected to be NFL guys on BYU's roster right now. Uh, it's easy to point out guys like Kyrus Tonga and Matt Bushman. Those are slam dunks. Those guys are NFL draft picks. They're NFL players, etc. But I'm looking at it right now. Every player along BYU's offensive line currently, the starting line that I project, so at left tackle, Brady Christensen, left guard, Shandon Herring, center, James Empey, right guard, Tristan Hodge, and then at right tackle, Blake Freeland. I think all five of those guys have an NFL future, barring some catastrophic injury for any of them. As soon as next year, you can see guys like Brady Christensen and James Empey in the NFL. Uh, next year, I think Tristan Hodge and Chandon Herring, who are going to be seniors this coming season, should be in the NFL as well. I think a kid like Blake Freeland, who played as a true freshman last year, he's on track in the next two to three years to be an NFL draft pick in his own right. And I think there's other guys behind that front line, the, the starting lineup on the offensive line for BYU, that I think could develop into NFL guys. So that alone on the offensive side of the ball indicates that you have multiple draft picks coming in future years for BYU. On the defensive side of the ball, I see other guys that I think could be NFL guys. Lorenzo Fawatea, for example. I think he is on track to have a pro career. I think in the linebacking core, Isaiah Kafusi, who's expected to be a senior this year, I think he's got the NFL in his future. Maybe not as a draft pick, but I think he's a free agent that could latch on with the team and have an NFL career. And that's just a few of the guys. I think Chris Wilcox and Troy Warner, NFL guys. I think behind them, D'Angelo Mandel, I think he has the tools to become an NFL guy. So just I'm throwing out all these names as an example because I believe that BYU, beginning in 2021, is going to go on a run here where I think they're going to reenter the conversation as a team that, hey, consistently puts guys, multiple guys, into the NFL draft and gets them onto their pro careers. Will they have the same kind of career arc that Taysom Hill will have? Who knows? Because Taysom, man... To have all the season-ending injuries he had in college, you thought his career would be finite at best in the NFL, but he stayed healthy. He's proven his worth as a multi-tool athlete that can play multiple positions for the New Orleans Saints, and now he's getting rewarded with a $21 million contract. Kyle Van Noy, $50 million contract this past offseason. Fred Warner coming up here in the next year or two with the San Francisco 49ers. He's going to get paid as well. The nice part is is that BYU has got a track record so far of guys when they get to the NFL 
they make good on the bets that have been made on them. Can the future NFL prospects for BYU make good on those bets as well? I believe they can, but obviously there are so many different variables that go into this. The team you go to, the scheme, if it fits you as a player, your abilities. Injuries obviously play a big role in this, but I think in 2021 and beyond, BYU's going to get back to the more traditional, hey, BYU's got two, three guys every year that are NFL prospects. Now the question is, can BYU increase that number to four to six and use those four to six NFL guys, the difference makers on their roster, to yield more wins during the college football season because that will beget more and more talent coming to BYU and make it a self-sustaining or a self-feeding program. That's the ultimate goal for any college football program. You see it with the Blue Bloods, the top dogs in college football. They have guys who go to the NFL consistently year in and year out, and new talent signs up almost just out of uh, sheer desperation, knowing, hey, this program can get me to the NFL. And I think the University of Utah, I know the the arch rival of BYU, but I think the Cougars, you can take a page out of their book and start building something. But the good news is, is I think, this is Jake Hatch speaking, I look at the roster for BYU in the coming two to three years, I see a bevy of NFL guys, I think, on that roster. Now can they go out and prove it to the rest of the world? We're about to find out. All right, we'll talk about the NCAA transfer portal with BYU basketball. Another guy that BYU is in on has narrowed his field to five schools, and BYU is among them. We'll talk about that. You're also going to get to one of the top moments in BYU sports history here on the podcast. We'll get to all of that coming up here in just a little bit. Before we do that, though, a reminder for you guys to check out this podcast wherever you're listening to us, but make sure to leave us a rating and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. The five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts help build our audience You guys have been fantastic despite the downturn with the COVID-19 pandemic in terms of your download numbers, etc. And I can't thank you guys enough for doing that. But I want to encourage you guys, take a minute, leave us a five-star rating, and also leave us a short review. Let us know what you like about the podcast and really help us build the audience because when Apple sees the, the algorithms that the Apple Podcast app and their platform uses when they see people interacting with the podcast it boosts our numbers in terms of staying in the rankings seeing being seen by more BYU fans so essentially what you guys are doing is helping us build the audience helping your friends your fellow BYU fans find the podcast and conversely helping us as a podcast find those BYU fans so thank you guys for doing that in advance and for your continued support of Locked On Cougars. All right, guys, yesterday we talked about Gardner-Webb transfer. Jose Perez is a guy that BYU basketball is pursuing. He had his narrowed his team list to 10 teams yesterday. Some news coming out yesterday from John Rothstein of CBS Sports that Seton Hall transfer Anthony Nelson has cut his list to five schools, and BYU made the cut there as well. Uh, he lists Manhattan, Long Beach State, Oregon State, Rhode Island, and BYU as the final five for Anthony Nelson. And you're probably wondering, okay, I don't necessarily pay attention to who Seton Hall is. They're in the Big East. You don't necessarily catch them all the time on TV. But what type of player is Anthony Nelson? Well, first off, he's six foot four, 180 pounds. He's from New York City. He's a he's a New York native, similar to Jose Perez. He's also a guy who is a sophomore for Seton Hall and would have to sit out a year currently under the current transfer rules in the NCAA. So going back to our conversation from yesterday, is that the hope for a guy like Anthony Nelson or a Jose 
Jose Perez in terms of transferring to a new school. They hope that the NCAA takes action in the next month or so and implements the one-time free transfer rule that has been on the docket for the NCAA to vote on. That would allow all of these athletes to go out and transfer to a new program without penalty and play right away. And I think that would benefit a team like BYU. Now, Anthony Nelson is a player. He has the size that BYU is looking for at 6'4", 180 pounds, and you hope that, hey, maybe he can show what he can do. Well, he played 34 games uh, for the Seton Hall Pirates this past season, and Seton Hall was a very good team this past year. They were an NCAA caliber team. He averaged just 10.5 minutes per game, shooting 34.5% from the field, 30% from three-point land, but the bigger issue is how much of an offensive output can he have in a new system? Because because for his career at Seton Hall, he's averaged 2.7 points per game and 2.4 points per game. And that's in an average of about 10 to 12 minutes per game. Uh, the three-point percentage is not where you'd like, but that's in a limited sample size. How many shots does he actually get up in a game where he's shooting in the high 20s in terms of the three-point percentage overall in his career? I think that number could go up in the right system. He has the size to be a 3 and D wing player, the BYU, like we've talked about here on the podcast, what they're looking for in the transfer portal to really kind of round out this roster. But is he... Is that number, three-point percentage, going to go up? That's what you're betting on with a guy like Anthony Nelson. Uh, Looking at the numbers for Jose Perez, I think Perez would be more of the guy that BYU might be interested in. But it's nice to see them chasing multiple guys because as we've seen throughout this transfer portal process for the college basketball programs or just the college basketball universe, is you can't put your eggs in just one basket. Uh, You thought a guy like Isaiah White would be a guy that BYU would land simply due to his relationship with Mark Pope and his staff, well, he goes to USC. It seemed like for a long time, BYU was going to continually strike out on multiple transfers in the transfer portal, but the positive news coming out of this is once they have landed a guy of the caliber of Matt Harms, who, by all accounts, ESPN, CBS Sports, he is a top 10, if not a top 5 transfer in the transfer portal. They're doing rankings now for this. That should tell you everything you need to know about the, the current state of college basketball that we're ranking transfers once the transfer portal season opens up but you look at it and I think that BYU is going to be more in the conversation for guys of the caliber of an Anthony Nelson a Jose Perez let's say a Jonah Antonio still out there for BYU because they're seeing okay well BYU landed this guy and I don't know how good he is what do they have to offer And that's what Mark Pope and his staff need to benefit from and capitalize on is the momentum they received from the commitment of a guy like Matt Harms. Can it result in the the addition of a guy like Anthony Nelson or a Jose Perez or who knows, maybe another player enters the portal. I know uh, there's a kid from North Carolina, I'm spacing on his name, I don't have it up in front of me, that entered the transfer portal that BYU's already reached out to uh, from the Tar Heels. So the nice part is BYU is leaving no stone unturned. Uh, we talked with Mark Pope on DJ and PK in the morning last week, and he talked about the fact that his staff is contacting every guy that they feel like might be a potential fit to gauge their interest initially and then move on from there. And he talked about the fact with Matt Harms when they first contacted him, he said, I don't know what it is about you guys, but I want to talk to you guys again. Uh, this is a guy who had no ties to the state of Utah. He's not a member of the faith of the the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 
no connection to the state of Utah, but Mark Pope and his staff were so good in recruiting him and so relentless about doing it. And if you heard that podcast we did with him at Harms, where I spoke with him one-on-one, he talked about the fact that they were talking to him every day. And he said, uh, Mark Pope would call him and say, hey, I just need a couple of minutes. And 45 minutes later, they'd still be on the phone. I think it's really cool to see the BYU basketball staff just working their butts off to find guys. And could an Anthony Nelson be the right answer for BYU? BYU? I don't know. You kind of think they need a graduate transfer 3 and D guy to really round out this roster. A guy who, you know, regardless of what the NCAA is going to vote on here over the next month, is going to be eligible and is more of a proven product. But Anthony Nelson, Jose Perez, you look at some of the names on the docket or on the list that BYU is currently pursuing... And I feel like they're doing a good job at both balancing the roster for just next year while also having an eye towards the future as well. As it currently stands, BYU is going to be a relatively young program next year as compared to what they were this year. Only two seniors will be on the roster, both of them transfers and Matt Harms as well as Alex Barcelo. So your roster for BYU, there's not going to be a lot of room for a lot of maneuvering over the next couple of years, but can you get some guys while also get some guys into the program while also understanding that you're probably going to lose one or two. It's just how the things in college basketball are going these days. Can you have yourself set up to absorb losses while also bolstering your lineup with transfers who maybe have to sit out a year before they're able to get onto the court if the NCAA doesn't change that rule, which they should. That's just my opinion. But I think that... uh, I think the biggest takeaway from this is that BYU is being very smart about how they're going about things here. And I guarantee you, they will continue to turn over every stone until they fill out that roster. By all accounts, I believe they have one scholarship remaining. So will it be Jonah Antonio? Will it be a Jose Perez? Will it be this Anthony Nelson from Seton Hall that takes that spot? Or could BYU free up one or two more spots? We're about to find out. The nice part is is that BYU basketball, their new iteration of that coaching staff with Mark Pope, is they are relentless. There is no doubt that they are doing everything that they can do to bolster their roster. And they believe that they can do big things at BYU for however long they're there. And they will not be outworked. And that's a positive sign. And if you're a BYU fan, I'd be looking at being like, hey, you go, coach. Appreciate you doing what you're doing for us. All right, well, uh, switch gears here. We're going to get to one of the great moments in BYU sports history here in just a second. Uh, we're doing a week-long look on this on the Locked On Podcast Network. You'll hear it across all of the different shows on the network, uh, both at the pro level. Think of Locked On Jazz, Locked On NBA shows, NFL, MLB. We're also doing that at the college level. We have a little more... Um, Latitude in the college ranks because as a college program, you have multiple sports to pick from. Whereas, let's say a team like David Locke with the Utah Jazz, he's doing the top five wins in Utah Jazz history this week. Well, I'm doing the top five moments in BYU sports history, so I can pull from multiple sports. But we're going to pull a moment from BYU basketball history here in just a second. Before we do that, though, a reminder for you guys that listening to this podcast is really simple to do. And all you need to do is to check out, well, essentially, all you need to do is tell your smart device not check out tell your smart device 
play the latest episode of the Locked On Cougars podcast, and we will have you up to date on everything you need to know each and every day. I use this expression all the time on this podcast, but we aim to make you the smartest BYU fan in the room with all the information you need to know about when it comes to BYU sports, as well as insider information that you will not find anywhere else. So guys, make sure to tell your smart device, your smartphone, or your smart speaker, play the latest episode of the Locked On Cougars podcast, and stay up to date on everything going on in BYU sports. All right, as we close out today's edition of the podcast, we need to get to our first great moment in BYU sports history, and that is we're going to stay on the hardwoods from BYU, we're going to talk about the great Danny Ainge. Obviously, many of you have probably seen this highlight. A few of us, including myself, were alive to see it, but some of you may have seen it in person or maybe we're seeing it on TV. But Danny Ainge had just one of the most incredible buzzer beaters to beat Notre Dame and advance to the Elite Eight with a win under Frank Arnold's leadership and the the play itself is just remarkable because Danny Ainge is just weaving and just dribbling through guys and what he does is he goes up over and scores this basket and it's just stunning how he did it that's the thing about it you just you watched him do it and you watch the replay of that highlight and you still makes you wonder how did he do it honestly how did he get that shot off how was it not blocked how did he just weave through traffic the entire length of the court and get that bucket to go but all i can tell you guys is that danny ainge might be one of the greatest athletes in BYU sports history. I like to say that Taysom Hill is the best pure athlete to ever grace BYU in any uniform, just with his size, speed, and strength combo, etc. But Danny Ainge, it's hard to argue with him because, let's put it this way, he was playing professional baseball for the Toronto Blue Jays as a third baseman while he was still playing collegiate basketball for BYU. He went on to a, a pretty good NBA career with both the Boston Celtics and the Phoenix Suns, most notably was a feisty feisty competitor in the NBA and just absolutely has been a great ambassador for BYU as a university you see him at multiple big BYU basketball games and events Uh, he goes there ostensibly to quote-unquote scout uh, for the Boston Celtics as he is the general manager for the Boston Celtics in the NBA currently but he He's a great ambassador. He's always been a great sounding board for BYU coaches and administrators over the years as well. He's got great knowledge about sports, having played two professional sports. He has been an executive now in the NBA for, what, at least two decades, if not three at this point. He has a lot of institutional knowledge regarding sports overall, but always has harbored that love for BYU as well. And I think that's something that BYU has been smart to tap into over the years. He's done a great job, but there will be no greater moment for, I think, Danny Ainge and BYU fans who think back on Danny Ainge's tenure as a BYU athlete than that great moment beating Notre Dame in the Sweet 16 to advance to the Elite Eight. It's the furthest BYU has ever advanced in college basketball. A lot of people like to deride the program as being the program that's gone to the most NCAA tournaments without a Final Four appearance. I get that. But 
that moment, that that snapshot in time as he just dribbles, weaves through traffic, and scores that bucket to beat Notre Dame, it will live on forever in BYU sports history. And it was an easy pick as you look back at the greatest moments in BYU sports history on the Locked On Cougars podcast this week. All right, that'll do it for today's edition of the podcast. Can't thank you guys enough for your continued support of the show. A big thank you to all of you who continue to download, subscribe, rate, review, do all the different things to help us out. Make sure to follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can follow the show at Locked On Cougars. That way you stay up to date on everything social media-wise with the show, etc. My personal Twitter feed, if you so desire to follow me there, is at Jacob C. Hatch. You can catch my thoughts on everything going on in life and sports there. And if you want to drop the show a note anytime, you can do that as well by emailing us. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the address. Love hearing from you guys. We're going to do something here coming up, and if you're listening to this, feel free to reach out right now, and you might be in the running for it. I want to start doing a thing called Fan Fridays. Uh, what it is, I'm going to have a fan of BYU. It doesn't matter what sport you're a fan of. You're going to join me on the podcast. I have the capability of doing it remotely where we can uh, be socially distanced but still talk BYU sports. If you are interested in doing that, we did a little bit of it last summer. We did it in person. Well, I have some technology, some of the equipment I have now allows us to do it remotely that we can that way we can stay socially distanced and continue to talk BYU sports. But if you are interested in joining me on a Fan Friday, hoping to kick it off this Friday, May first, let me know. I'd love to have your guys' thoughts on BYU sports. We can debate topics. I'll let you guys kind of guide the show on what you want to talk about. And we'll have some fun with it. So if you are interested in that, drop us a note on social media or email us, LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. Hope you guys are all having a great Tuesday. Hope you're all staying safe. Love having you guys on board with the podcast. It's always fun to talk BYU sports each and every day. And today's show has been brought to you by our good friends at Talacris and Provo. Of course, Plasma Resources. Everybody needs plasma right now. It's helping frontline workers battle the COVID-19 pandemic. And we're glad to have Talacris on board with us. They're located in Provo at 651 Columbia Lane. You can give them a call, 801-377-1243. They're open from 5.30 a.m. to 8 p.m., so they're available all day, every day, and they need your guys' donations now. So check out Talacris Plasma Resources, 651 Columbia Lane in Provo, 801-377-1243 is their phone number. Have a great rest of your day. We will talk to you guys soon. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. For April 28th, 2020, we will talk to you tomorrow.